Check. There we go. Man, it's good stuff. Thank you, Garen. By the way, today's Garen's birthday. I don't know if you know that. Hey, this is your birthday song. It isn't very long. There you go. I, something else that I don't know if you know this or not, but this is actually an election year. Uh, have you heard that? There's laughter and then there's groaning. Oh, politics. And it seems like it's all we're hearing about these days. And we groan and we think about what we're seeing and hearing. And, and man, is it, is, has it always been this bad uh, with the back and forth? And the, it just seems so bitter and hard and even hard to watch. I feel like I was watching debate the other night. I feel like I need to go take a shower. Uh, it's tough. Uh, but uh, can I be honest? I don't even know why anyone would want to be president. I mean, think about it. I mean, besides, you know, I guess the power and being the most powerful person in the, the planet, maybe, and the plane, the plane's pretty cool. Um, you get a cool house and a uh, geometrically shaped office and uh, a helicopter and other things, like people taking bullets for you. That's probably nice. But other than that, I mean, that is a lot on your shoulders. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility. Think about every day just waking up with the thought of millions of people counting on you and that every decision you make doesn't just affect you, it affects history, all of history. And we've seen that the effects on presidents, haven't we? We've seen pictures. And here's uh, just a few of them, uh, the before and afters of, of, of people, presidents, when they came into office. Does anyone know which president? Rose, Roosevelt? Yes. All right, before office, after office. This is teacher's day. They were, they're learning as we go. All right. Um, and the next one is Truman. Very good. Before office, after office. And then a couple of more. Ford here. I mean, look at the different. Look at, look at his face, just the lines. And then the next one, we have Bush. I mean, it's just completely different person after uh, seven years there. And then this is Obama. The last few, few years, just look at his hair and the lines on his face and how he's had just the effect on him. And then here's a picture of Lincoln before the Civil War and after the Civil War. I mean, you just tell the wear, the weight on their shoulders, how much it just makes a difference in, in their lives and what they, they carry and even what they look like in their appearance. And before, I guess, we get off of the, the politics subject, uh, just thinking about voting. And guess what, folks? We've got another eight months of this uh, stuff to listen to. And uh, I thought about that this week, and there's a quote from John Wesley. And John Wesley uh, says this. Maybe this is something that we can have on our, our minds for the next couple of, couple of uh, months as we, we, we go forward. I think there's a, hopefully there's a picture. There it is. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church and our, one of our great influencers, he said this. I met those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election, and I advised them to vote without fee or reward for the person they judged most worthy, to speak no evil of the person they voted against, and to take care of their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. If we could pray that prayer for the next eight months, and I think that God can make a difference in our, our society, in our culture, in our community, maybe most importantly, in our hearts. Can we just pray real quick for us to be able to do that? God, help us. Lord, our country needs you. Lord, we need you. Our community needs you, Lord. 
God, I pray that in this election cycle, Lord, we wouldn't be polluted by the things that are around us. God, would we would represent you, that we would speak uh, a blessing to people and not a curse, that we would build people up, even the people that we don't know, we would build them up, not tear them down. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be a witness and a light in, in these dark days. God, we pray all these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Do you think that, that Jesus ever had those kind of burdens and those kind of weights and those kind of decisions? Do you think that, and that's kind of a weird question, you know, Jesus creator of, of everything, the son of God, do you think he had that kind of stress on his shoulders? I, I kind of think he, does, he did. He was half God, but he's also half man, and he lived on earth, and he had all kinds of pressure. Think about this, the salvation of the world on his shoulders. And for him, I, I wonder what went through his mind. It was, he was thinking about his disciples, about the world, about us. And for him, there's probably a number that just stuck out in his mind, maybe from birth. The, the number was 33. And maybe even a date. There was a date that was, had, he had in mind. It was the date that it eventually would be on a cross. To always have that date on his mind. And now we have dates that we mark. Most of the times those are for good occasions, weddings and things like that. But for Jesus, his mission in the world was to, to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to teach about, about God and actually be God in the flesh. But his mission was the cross. And everything was focused that direction. Everything was leading up that direction. And so we join him. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some prayers of Jesus uh, as he's headed toward the cross. He's just hours away. In fact, if you want to flip in your Bibles to John chapter 17, we're going to be looking at three different prayers in the next few weeks, the next three weeks before we get to Easter. And these are the prayers of Jesus as he has the cross on his mind, as he has uh, forever on his mind, as he has us on his mind. And he's meeting with his disciples, and most likely they're in an upper room at this point. And, and Jesus is telling them about what's about to happen, that he's going to die, and that eventually he's going to come back. But his disciples are going to, in the hour that he needs them most, Peter is going to deny Jesus. Judas is going to take off. And of course, they go, no way this is going to happen. And we know it will happen. And he's looking toward the future. And he begins to, this idea and this, this, this prayer that's there. And then John 16, says this. This is the end of, of 16. I've told you these things because the last thing he says is you're going to have trouble. There's going to be some difficult times in the world. I've told you these things so that in me you may have, what? Peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the first thing he says is, is I have overcome the world. You're going to have peace. There's going to be trouble, but, but you can have peace in this world. The time has, has come. Now, have you ever met anybody, and this is a, a, he's about to pray to God. Have you ever met someone that has a, a, almost a pipeline to God? When they pray, it feels like that they are speaking directly to God. My dad had that, has that ability. When he prays, it is like there's no one else around. And he just is speaking directly to the Father. Every time we gather together, they're going to be here next week to, to visit grandkids and maybe even go to the rodeo. Who knows if we can get through the traffic of the rodeo. We'll get there. But there will be a time where we'll gather at the end of our, our visit together, and he will get everyone together, and he'll begin to pray for us. 
and something happens. It's, it's like he is speaking directly to God, and God is listening, and God is present in that circle. Have you ever met people like that? I, I want to be able to pray like that. I want to be able to have that kind of connection with God. And so in John chapter 17, this first prayer, this is Jesus praying to God the Father. Can you imagine being one of the disciples that are there? Can you imagine being a fly on the wall there, listening to this conversation directly between Jesus and God? We get to be there, and he prays for these three things. These three things he has in mind. First of all, his mission. God, I have a mission. That this, the cross is, is, is just hours away, and this is my life has been this direction and going this way. He's praying for his mission, that, 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 that this would be uh, just glorifying to God. He, he prays second for his disciples, these guys that he had been living life with, had like family members that he'd been breaking bread with and, and on the, the road together and road trips and, and life together, these people that had become like family to him. And then he prays for the future. He prays actually for us. The disciples were going to share this good news with the world. And so he says, the people that will hear, hear this good news, the people in the future, he prays for them. And he comes to this pivotal moment with so many things on his shoulders, so many things on his mind. Let me ask you this. As we come into church today, what's on your mind? What's heavy on your shoulders what is the thing that just you cannot stop thinking about, the thing that just feels like it weighs a 1,000 pounds? Maybe it's some kind of responsibility or a task or a burden. Maybe it's, it's your mission in life. I mean, some of us have jobs and occupations that they feel like almost like missions. People are counting on you, and you have this daily weight where people are looking to you, and you need to do different responsibilities, and they're counting on you and your position. There's some people here today that are in the medical field where literally lives are in your hands and, and what you do matters in, in a paramount way. There's some that are managers and leaders of, of people and people are looking to you for answers and for help. There's some people that are shaping the lives of young people every single day and futures are in your hand as you, you help to lead and guide and shape people. I heard this story about a teacher once, and she was thinking about this, this weight that was there. And every day, with that in mind, she would go to every single desk in her classroom, and she would pray for every student that would come in into the room, just with that, that responsibility, that, the heaviness of kids on her mind. And there was also this principle that would every day she would go to each classroom and pray for teachers uh, in, in their rooms. And before they even arrived, and, and to let them know that she was there, she would move something on their desk, which many OCD people in the room are going, what? <laughs> but she would do that just to say that, that I've been here and I'm thinking about, about you. I don't know, uh, I, I've been a pastor, uh, lead pastor for a couple of years, but I, I've thought about just the weight and the responsibility of being a pastor. And, and actually, before I became a pastor, this is what I uh, looked like. I don't know if you notice, uh, there are no like lines on the forehead. This is a great picture, by the way. Uh, senior picture of high school, my mom blew it up this big. It was making the rounds as a gag gift for a, you know, white elephant gift. This was the picture people were giving away. Isn't that terrible? Miss Connie, this can be yours afterwards. There's another gift from us. That's right. 
But, but perfect, almost perfect skin there. You know, someone came up to me the other day and said, Pastor Matt, your face looks, it just looks tired. Uh, yeah, yeah, tired. It just looks, I wanted to say, your mama's face looks tired, but I did not <laughs> say that out loud, okay? But if you feel bad for me, this is our previous pastor, uh, Pastor Jeffrey uh, there. This is him, I don't know, I think a short while ago. This was actually him before he became pastor. Uh, I think that's a good look for him. Uh, Please do not tell him I showed him that. Uh, He's actually still my boss. But when you have this weight upon your shoulder, when you have this responsibility of a mission bigger than yourself, it's tough. And can I tell you the toughest thing about being a pastor is not this part. It's the part about when I I, I go and I pray and I think about each one of you and some of the things that you're going through and the things that I hope for and want so badly for you to know and to see and to experience God's love And when you have things in your life that are heavy, they are heavy on me. And we rejoice when you rejoice. And if you have a mission, and if your life is about more than just you, I bet you have some of the same heaviness in your heart, in your life. I was, uh, when I was first became a pastor, I, uh, I had a little house on the side of the road, and I was single. I've only had two years where I was a complete bachelor from, from college, and it was a complete bachelor house. Uh, it was like my dining room table was a ping pong table. Uh, silverware really didn't exist. It was plasticware, and uh, we, I would wash out the uh, red Solo cups. Uh, that was the, you know, the fine china and, and dinnerware there. Uh, Tostino's pizza uh, were a pretty regular part of my, my meals. And this house, it was, uh, it was a mess, and it was on the side of a major road. And so every time a, ma- a car would come by, especially big trucks, it would, the, the windows would shake. And as I was getting ready to get married, Mel and I got married a couple years after I was there. I said, I just something clicked one day. I can't live here uh, with my wife. I, we can't have these kind of things. I can't have this kind of stuff all over the, the, the floor because it's not just about me anymore. It's not just about me anymore. Now, this really became amplified when kids uh, came along. And I don't know if you have kids today, grown children or, or younger children, but the children, they're one of our greatest blessings, aren't they? Shake your head, yes. They're, some of them are present. And sometimes they are, man, one of the sources of our greatest anxiety and tension that we have. And there's this back and forth that's there. We rejoice, but also they give us so many, uh, what's the word, just worries in life. And there's a tension that's there. And a parent I apparently had was going through this tension or thinking about this tension when this picture took place uh, because... The kid was not harmed, okay? But you can just tell in this moment, like, should I take the picture or should I go and help the child? And obviously, they chose the picture uh, because that's going to have a lot of likes on Facebook if you can get it out there. But we, we have this tension and we, we feel this weight of, of children and, and it's a, it's a beautiful weight. 
When I was thinking about this week, Noah had his ninth birthday. I have three kids. Uh, Noah is my son. He's the oldest. His ninth birthday. And so I was going down memory lane a lot this week. And I was thinking about when we, we brought him home uh, from the hospital. And I would go into his room. And I don't know if you've, you've done this, Eddie, but I would literally just stay in there watching his, his little chest go up and down. And there was some anxiety and fear. What if, what if it doesn't go back up again? Oh, that's tough. And there were some nights that I would sleep in the room because I was afraid that it might not go back up again. And you just live in kind of that fear that's there. And after a while, you know, I left the room. And then he went off to school. <laughs> went off to school, and I took him to school. And if you're taking your kids to school, there is a moment that it is. It's hard. I wish it, it's gotten easier, but it's the moment that I say goodbye every day to my kids. And I drop them off. And the first days, wow. I mean, I told him I loved him a thousand times before we got to the, the school. And I even rolled the window down, I love you, be careful. And you probably have parents that do that in, in, in car rider lines. And it was especially tough when we saw stories about Sandy Hook Elementary. Remember just the tension and anxiety inside of me, not wanting my son to go and just wanting to be with him. And I felt that with, with each of my kids to a, a certain degree. I had this vision in mind this week as he, he had his birthday that, that one day uh, he's going to probably go to college, hopefully, and maybe he'll go to college somewhere not in town. And there's going to be a time that I'm going to go on a ride with him, wherever that is he's going. And we're going to have the talk. I'm going to probably look at the, the girls and say, why don't you, you ladies ride in the other car? I'm just going to ride with Noah. And we're going to be have, begin to talk about all the things, hopefully, that he's learned in the last 17, 18 years. And I'm going to remind him about all those things. Don't forget to brush your teeth, son. Don't forget, don't forget to do your homework. Don't procrastinate. Treat people the way that you want to be treated. Put God first in your life. Nothing good happens after midnight. Don't eat Taco Bell after 10 o'clock. It's not good for you. And I'm just going to try to pour everything into his heart and his life just in those last few minutes because there's going to be a moment where he is going to leave my house and my car hmm, sort of forever. And, and those moments, we kind of, we're kind of pouring our hearts and our lives into our kids and just the tension and the anxiety we, we feel with that and the pressure that we have, the weight from that. Some of you guys are, are carrying the weight of family members that you care for. Moms and dads that at one point they were caring for you and now you're making life decisions for them. And those decisions are hard and they weigh heavy as well. I have a friend that I talked to a couple of days ago and, and, and she is caring for her husband that has Alzheimer's. And you could hear the weariness in her voice and, and the weight of that responsibility that was there. For some of you, you have anxiety about the future. And the weight of what the future looks like, not just about what our country is going to look like, but your family, job situation, what you're going to do for school or for life or for all these questions that are floating around about the future. And that just weighs, weighs on you maybe today. So what do we do in this, these moments? What do we do in these tension-filled places? I think Jesus has the answer for us. And it's fairly simple. When Jesus was in that moment where 
everything was going toward a certain direction and the date was here and he had all this on his mind, his, his disciples, the future, his mission, and it was all on top of him. What did he do? He prayed. He prayed. And this is a moment where we hear this, this, tran, this transaction between God the Father and God the Son and he goes and he prays to God and we know that that's such a good thing to do. Philippians tells us this, don't worry about anything. But instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience what? God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus modeled that. He didn't just say to do it. He did it himself because it is what we all need. It's what he needed. And... I, I don't know if you do this. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Sometimes I forget, quite honestly. There's moments where tension is high and I just forget to pray. Maybe that's not really in your routine of life. Some of you might say, Pastor Matt, I, I just don't pray. It's not a habit of mine. Maybe you'd confess, I just never really have. I don't know how. Or maybe you would be honest today and say, I don't even think it works. Because I pray to God and when I pray to God, I, what I wanted to happen didn't happen. What I wanted to happen didn't happen. And can I maybe throw this out to us today? Maybe that's not the reason why we pray. It's maybe not to get what I want, to get what I want, but maybe there's something different. Because ultimately, I think what we want sometimes when we pray is we want control. I wanna control things. I wanna control my son. I wanna control the future. I wanna control what I'm doing in life. I want to control. But, but maybe God isn't calling us uh, to control. In fact, if, if, if you think about it, we experience this every day. We don't have control. I mean, you're going to get in your car and if you, well, well, just do a quick survey. How many are good drivers in the room? How many would consider yourself maybe a great driver in the room? You're lying in church, right? Some of you are. How many would say you're an okay driver? And somebody would say, you're an awful driver. Would anybody admit that you are not a good driver? Okay, I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in the, in the middle. We have to know some of you aren't. We know that there are some awful drivers in Houston, okay? We experience them every single day. There are rules. Don't, don't give me that eyeball. <laughs> I didn't say what I was. Uh, I mean, how many of you pass someone these days that they are doing one of these with the, the, the phone and the glow is on their face? You don't have any control, okay? When you get in your car today, you have no control. The, the person that's, that's swaying over the other lane, who knows what can happen? It doesn't matter how good a driver you are, right? My friend, uh, Carrie, told me a story once uh, and then kind of demonstrates this. And she says, you know, she was driving uh, last Friday and she was on her way to Cincinnati, Ohio. And on a snow white Christmas Eve, uh, going home, to see her mama and her daddy with the, the baby in the back seat. You know, she was 50 miles from where she was trying to go, and she was running low on faith and actually on gasoline. Um, and it had been a really, really, really long year. She had a lot on her mind, and she didn't really pay attention. She was going way too fast, okay? And before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of, of, of glass. That's right. You know this story too. <laughs> she saw both their lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even, even have time to cry. 
And guess what? She was so scared. And she threw her hands up in the air and she said, what? That's right. Now, that's, that's one version. If you ever notice songs get in your mind, and that one, so just after a while, we wanted to get it out of our minds. There's a slightly better version of, of that song, I think. Uh, check out this one by Tim Hawkins. <laughs> I think we can cut it there. Yeah. Well, Tim, uh, Carrie, and Cletus, uh, I think, bring up a really good question. Do we pray to, to get control or to give up control? Because I think prayer is not how you gain control, but it's instead how you surrender control. It's how you surrender control. Prayer is not how you gain control, but instead how you surrender control. And I think Jesus, remember that prayer that in Matthew 6, he, he, he demonstrates to his disciple, how, how do you pray? He says, pray this way. Our Father, shout in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, our debts, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And he gives us an example of how to pray and he he shows us again how to pray here. And I think what prayer does is when we go to pray to God and we spend time with him, it begins to align our hearts with the heart of God. And we surrender our will over to him. And we surrender control over to him. So Jesus prays, John 17, here's the first part of the prayer. He says this, Father, the hour has come. It's time now. The cross is hours away. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. And so here's some things that we can learn from this prayer that he reminds us, Jesus reminds us of what our real mission in life is. And we each have different jobs. We each have different occupations in life, but our mission is the same, to bring glory to God. And that's what Jesus is saying, that I want to bring glory to you, that everything that we do, whether you're a teacher, an engineer, if you're a firefighter, if you're a mom, if you're, whatever you do, it's all to bring glory to God. I love the way uh, Eugene Peterson in the message is a paraphrased version of the Bible. He says it this way in Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention onto God. So what if we took this mission, these talents that we had, and we said, God, these are yours. Use them whatever way that you would see fit to to bring glory to you. And then Jesus, he prays for his disciples, his family, those people that were counting on him, that he was closest to. And when he prays to God, he says this, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. My sister did a, uh, basically a short-term missions uh, project and a trip to, to Africa. She was there for six months, and she's actually been there two or three times now. And uh, they have adopted a, a little boy, my nephew, from Ethiopia. 
And I just know her heart is in Africa. Her heart is there. And one day I'm going to get a phone call from her. And it's going to basically be this. We are going to go and live there full time. I know what's going to happen. And there's a part of me that says, you know what? I look around the entire our country and our world right now. And, and Africa seems like a pretty good place to live. Let's just get away from all of the, just the, the yuck around us and the evil and maybe the darkness is, is, surrounds us right now. And I just want to be like Alexander and just move to, is it Alexander in the very, I just want to go to Australia maybe, because maybe it's better in Australia. But the answer is not to get away. And that's not what Jesus prays. He doesn't pray for this this, this, this protection from physical harm. In fact, he says that the, the bad things are going to happen in the world. But instead, he's praying for protection as a, in a spiritual way, protection from the evil one, from a spiritual uh, thing that would, would come and want to still kill and destroy the lives of our kids and the ones that we, we value the most and the ones that we've been given charge of. And he keeps going and he says this, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them that they can be made holy by your truth. In our world today, there is one message. Do everything you can to be happy. To be happy. Seek happiness first. And if we're not careful, that is the greatest desire that we want for our kids is to be happy. They don't make holy meals. They make Happy meals, okay? Now here's that word holy again. What does this holy mean? It means to be set apart, to be given to God, to seek God, to be, want to be like Christ. None of us can be perfect, but we're striving to be more and more like him, that our lives would, would, would not be an attempt to just be happy all the time, to be holy. Yesterday we had a memorial service for John Morelli. And one of the, the, I think the best parts for me in the, the service, it was a celebration of a, a life well-led or well-lived. And uh, his son got up and he talked about some memories, uh, his son Pep. He talked about how his dad it was a, a great influence on him. And he said, you know, there was a time uh, where we would, when I was in school, that during spring break, that my other families would go and they would go to Florida and they would have all these big adventures and they'd come back with all these stories. But, but we never went to Florida we had projects and we served and we didn't have some of the experiences that other people had. And, and later on, his dad came to him and said, man, I wish that we would have done this and that. And, and Pep told his dad, dad, you gave me the best gift that you could ever give anyone. You showed me and you exemplified a relationship with God and what that looked like and how to love God and put God first in our lives. And that's the greatest gift that we could give our kids, to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to exemplify that. So first we have to ask the question, am I seeking to be happy or am I seeking to be holy? And that's a tough prayer. But that's what, what Jesus is, is asking uh, and praying to God. Lord, make them holy, not just happy. And then he continues to pray. I pray that, that they will be, be one just as you and I are one. As you are in my, me, Father, and I am in you, God's greatest desire is for us to have a deep, abiding relationship with him, that we have a connection with God, that we have a relationship with him, and that's his desire for us and for everyone, that we would have this walking and abiding relationship with God. 
So these things he's prayed for, these are some practical things that we can think about as we're praying and with these, these things, upon, things upon our shoulder. And then there's this, this one part that I, this really stuck out to me. And the, the first part of the, the prayer, he says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it, and they, ne- and they know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. They belong to you. We do this thing here at our church. Uh, it's called a baby dedication. Maybe it, you, you've seen it before. And uh, we actually have had a lot of them this year, and it's been great. It's basically when uh, a family, uh, a set of parents, uh, they say, this, this child is a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. And we usually meet, we, when the choir's not here, we have an altar here. And I get the great responsibility of kind of representing God. And uh, they, they come before this altar, and they come before the entire community and say, we just want to say to the whole world, that this baby, it's not ours. This child is a blessing from God. And they actually hand, this is a scary thought, but they hand the child over to me or to one of our pastors here. And it's a symbolic act of saying this. He is yours. She is yours. And what Jesus is saying is they were never mine in, in the beginning. They've always been yours. I love that moment because I need to be reminded. I'm one, to be honest, that I, there's certain lessons in life that I remember the first time and I get. When I was a kid and I touched the grill for the first time, I remembered that is hot. I will not touch that again. But there were other lessons and especially the smart, I like, uh, I had a, a smart mouth. I did not learn that one the first time. It took many times of washing my mouth out with soap and a lot of different restrictions and a lot of different punishments to remember that that's not good. I need to be reminded of this, this lesson today, this, this prayer from, from Jesus. And basically the prayer is, is this, my talents, my gifts, they're not mine. They're his. They've always been his. They always will be his. And so when I recognize that, and I go before the Father and say, you know, my mission, my purpose in this world, is to bring glory and honor to you, Can you imagine if every single day we prayed that prayer, God, whatever I would do, whatever I would say today, Lord, may it bring glory and honor to you. Lord, this is not about me, it's all about you. And we let that go. And the weight was off of us. Can you imagine what that would be like every day? Or maybe you would go to God every single morning and you would say, I've got this, this heaviness, this burden that I have for my kids or my family or a friend that is apart from you that doesn't know you and is, is hurting. And you would go to God and say, God, these kids, they're not mine. They're a gift from you. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, 
Help me guide my steps, guide my words today. And every single day you said, God, this is a reminder. These are yours. What if you said, you know what? The world is really, man, it's a dark place. It's rough out there. It's getting worse and worse. But you said, you know what? My future, my future is yours. No matter what's going to happen in the future, I cannot control it. But I know that it's yours. And you prayed that every day that it's yours. But maybe, quite honestly, you can't even think about the future because you're worried about the past. And the past is what's heavy on your shoulders today. And let's be honest, maybe it's something that you've done, something that you've said. And the sins from your life that just seem to haunt you are there, and you have not let those things go. Maybe you haven't trusted what God's words told us, that if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and he is just, and he is merciful, and he will forgive your sins. So maybe as you start each day, you need just to be, to be reminded that my past is yours as well. Maybe you just need to start every day with a simple, simple prayer. My entire life is yours. It's all yours. Everything that I have, this, these burdens that I carry, these things that I want so badly, I want the best for them, this mission that I have. What if you said every day, my entire life is yours? And you let go of those things. Matthew 11 says this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Would you do this? Would you bow your heads with me today? I don't, I don't know what you've come into this place with, what you're carrying, what's heavy on your heart today. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's a gift that God's given you. And you are just, you're anxious. You're fearful. Maybe it's your job. You're, you're having all kinds of struggles at work. And you dread going there. And, and, and it's not a mission anymore. It's, it's a burden. Or maybe you're fearful about the future. And you've got all kinds of questions. I don't know what it is. That's between you and God. But would you do this? Would, would you just with your heads bowed and, and maybe your eyes closed, will you just ball your hands up in a fist today? Just right there at your seat, just between you and God, just ball them up in, and, and clench them in a fist. Maybe the question for you today is what are you holding on to so tightly? And if we were honest, you would say, this is mine. This is mine mine maybe your prayer today needs to be a simple one it's yours it's yours God it always has been yours these, these gifts that you've given me this future that I have Lord it's all yours these hopes and these dreams may they align with your hopes and dreams for my life 
Lord, make me holy. God, I'm not perfect, and there are things about myself that I, I, I hate, Lord. God, heal my heart. Heal the brokenness in my life. Help me to believe your truth and your words. God, help me not to live in fear. God, but with courage. God, give me wisdom and guidance as I give these things away to you. As we pray this morning, I invite you just as you're thinking about the things that you are just gripping tightly today. Maybe you just want to let go of those things and give them back to God. Lord, you are good to us. You have given us so many good gifts. We recognize that every single good gift is from you. There are so many times where we have tried to take, and take those things and claim them to be ours and take credit for things, but it's all about you, God. God, thank you for every talent represented in this room. God, you have given, Lord, so many people in this room extraordinary gifts and abilities. The ability to teach, to love, to, to care for, to guide, to direct, given amazing minds. We can work our entire lives for paychecks, or we can work our entire lives for purpose greater than ourselves. That is our prayer today, God. Lord, we thank you for the people in our lives, our friends and family and our children and the kids that they don't have our last name, but they are our kids. And they are precious to us and they are dear to us and we care so much about them. We want the best for them. Lord, we want so badly sometimes to even control them and to make them do what we want them to do. God, but we realize we can't do that. Lord, we let go of those things, those people, those gifts today. Lord, guide us in all of our ways so that we can be influences on their lives. Lord, I pray that we would be a light in this world. Lord, I pray for the future. Anxiety, just maybe run all around this room for what's ahead. God, there's nothing that can happen that you don't already know about, that you haven't already seen, and we do not have to worry about the future. Lord, we can give the future to you. Lord, I pray that you would guide our steps for our turns and the directions that we go. Lord, may our future Lord, be so bright because you are in it and you are guiding us, Lord, with your light. I pray for the person today that is holding on to a past that is full of darkness and holding on to sin that is weighing them down today. God, we are grateful for your grace that because of the cross, because that you came with a mission to bridge the gap, to break the barrier that our sin put up. Lord, thank you for wiping it away and all we have to do is come before you and confess our sin to you. And we can leave this room today without the burden of our own sin because of your, your love for us. God, we release those things to you. 
God, you're good to us. Lord, I pray that we would not forget. Lord, help my friends, not just in this moment, but maybe even every single day. Lord, I'm the worst of these. I have short-term memory loss when it comes to, to yours and giving things to you, to you, Lord. God, help me every day to release these things to you. God, we love you. We lift all these prayers up around this sanctuary to you. In your name we pray, amen.